We've been fighting a long time, and we have all lost so very much, so many loved ones gone. But you are not alone. There are pockets of resistance all around the planet. We are at the brink. You have no idea how important you are. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. Ave Welcome everybody back, Sessa Fidelity. I'm coming at you with Friar Anthony, who we've oh, had look at a year ago, maybe, <laughs> maybe even more. Welcome back. A little bit more, yep. Yes. How you been? Good. How you been? I've been good. I've been good. Long time, though, see. Uh, we need to do it more often than once every year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what do you do? Friar, what do you got going on now? Last time we talked about it was uh, the pre55.com website. Yeah. You got something going on with a book. Yeah, so with, with if anybody hasn't been there, so you've got the, the pre1955holyweek.com. We put that up, I can't remember. It's probably it was probably 2018, maybe 2019. I think it was 2018 when we first put that site up. And then during COVID, uh, that's when it really took off, obviously. Not the website, but pre1955 Holy Week everywhere. Uh-huh. But we started getting a ton of what 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 that website is. I put it up there as a free resource. We had a, I had a ton of resources for whether it's for clerics or it's for lay people to follow the pre nineteen fifty five Holy Week. I did all the translations so that we had these little booklets for the parishes when they were transfer when they were um, transitioning over to the old Holy Week to be able to have not just a a guide to follow for the for the liturgy. But to have commentary. So there's a historical commentary or a historical kind of framework of that liturgy because there's a lot in each liturgy. Uh, and then you had commentary by different liturgical experts, and some of them are blessed and things like that, the saints. And then that runs through the whole of each each liturgical celebration. Well, I put it all up there for free, but then I started getting people. What I realized is people don't want stuff for free. They, they want to buy it. And so... I was kind of baffled by the whole thing, but I understand, you know, it's, you got to print the whole thing off. You got to make a book yourself. Uh, but we do have printing ex- instructions, whatever. So we got enough emails last year. Would you, do, would you please just make it available to buy? I didn't have enough friars with me when I first started doing it, but now we have quite a few friars. And so we spent the year, a couple of them were just working on putting it all together, getting nice pictures in there. But we wanted the book to be something that, uh, it's, it's a companion for all of Holy Week, meaning it's going to have all the liturgies in there. We didn't put the mandatum, the, the, uh, the, the mundatum, the, the, the washing of the feet, because a lot of places in the, in the pre-1955 Holy Week, that's not done in the church. And so a lot of places don't do it. We might put it in there later. We didn't put it in there this time. We just thought it would take up space, really. Though it's a beautiful ceremony, we're not trying to belittle it in any way. It's commanded by our Lord to do. But but a lot of people aren't seeing that. Like in religious houses, they're doing it usually in the refectory behind closed doors and stuff. And then we try to put some devotional stuff in there that we know people are going to be doing during Holy Week. We didn't just try to make the book bigger and put a bunch of devotional stuff. So we got the Stations of the Cross. The um, I think we did the Sorrowful Mother devotion because that's common in a lot of traditional parishes. 
So we put the, the, the basic things that, that most people are going to see during Holy Week. And then we also put in Easter Sunday, of course, because that's part of Holy Week. And then we put in the vigil for Pentecost because a lot of people have been asking for the vigil now. So we put that in the appendix. So that's at their disposal to be able to use or not use, depending if they go and do the vigil for Pentecost. So it's, it's not a thick book. It's, it's 280 pages, but it's, it's not just a companion. This is one of, the, one of the brothers told me to say. It's not just a companion for Holy Week. Because of, the, because of all the commentary and the uh, historical background that you get before each liturgy, it's something you can study throughout the year because Holy Week, yeah, it's, one, it's, at, it's, at, it's at center of our liturgical experience every year. Uh, of our, our, our liturgical life, but it's not something uh, that we should only be visiting once a year. It's in our meditations and things like that. Holy Week, the Passion of our Lord, the greatest saints meditate on our Lord's Passion all the time. So the commentaries that are in here are things that you don't necessarily just need when you're at the liturgy because you're not really going to be reading them when you're at the liturgy. Some people will be because, like when you're doing all the, on the, you know, the vigil for Saturday, you got, you know, an hour, two hours worth of prophecies. It does give you something else to look at if you're starting to get bored. Um, but of course, reading those readings is pretty rich itself. But anyways, there's a lot in here that can be meditated on by way of that. But it also has all the liturgical rubrics, which helps too, to kind of see what's going on. I always use it for when I'm preparing to do master ceremonies. I just look through these again. They're just kind of the 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 common notes that you need. But the very beginning, we added the, it's a, it was, it's like an intro by Adrian Fortescue, Father Adrian Fortescue, the great liturgist from England. He was that parish priest who would write all those liturgical books just to raise money for his parish. Uh-huh. Uh, but he did a great commentary, not a commentary, but it's like a summary of Thurston who was a Jesuit and wrote all about Holy Week, a wonderful book that you can, uh, we'll make it available eventually on Roman Seraphic Books, but you can still get it through, I forget, it's one of those publishing companies that just prints off old books, and that's what, you're paying for them to print the thing off, but it's like open source stuff. Yeah, yeah, I got one, uh, ah, one of these guys. Yeah, one of those guys. But it's, it's a good book, we'll, we'll probably make it available. Um, but he's basically doing a summary of Thurston's work in, in 18 pages. And so it's a really, it's a, it's a wonderful intro for, the, for the, the Holy Week book. And I, I encourage people to read it every year. We have it free on the website so people can read it there. And like I said, even with this book, it's all free on the website. You can go there and take it all for free. You can leave us a donation if you want. It helps us maintain the site. But the book now, we're, we're, we're just doing a, a print on demand. So it, um, it, it's, it's easier for us friars to be able to do work-wise. You know, we're able to get the thing out there, and people can just order as many as they want. But we're also trying to make it available for parishes, because I know parishes like to buy them. Um, and so if they just call us directly through the website, the, the Roman Seraphic Books, then we can even work out, um, was it, you know, uh, the bulk order, stuff like that. And we can order them ourselves, and then we can send it to you them. you got an offer you cannot refuse. What's that? We got an offer you cannot refuse. That's right. That's right. An offer you cannot refuse. That's... So anyways, but with this book, we're also doing, um, we're launching Roman Seraphic books. So there's, there's really nothing on there just yet. We, we, we still have to get it. We have quite a few books that we print and bind ourselves. 
and we haven't had time to get it all on there because we've really been trying to get this out for during during Septuagesima, uh, so that people can get a hold of it. We've already received a lot of emails about the book and things like that, so we're just trying to get it available for people. But on Roman Seraphic books, we'll have you know more liturgical things, uh, especially Franciscan spirituality um, of that of that nature. So like if they the, want to uh, keep an eye, they can watch Roman Seraphic books and watch it grow a little bit, and we'll have books there. So. I don't, I don't know if you you guys make that the funeral sort of saved the uh, cover uh, yeah that, you like that you guys or someone else no we made that we made that and we I also made a, a four by six banner to put on the outside of the friary oh, and wow. then I got and I was actually traveling for one of our third order to vest some of our third order members in um, Nebraska and as I'm driving I was I took a break you know and I'm walking around this field and I had the the cell phone while I'm traveling with me. And I get a phone call from uh, one of the local pastors saying, I, I think we got to take that down because it's it just, we're going to look like religious fanatics. It has, you know, it has St. Uh, Leonard of Port Maurice, like with fire behind him and a skull in his hand. And his, he's pointing up and there's a quote. It's a poster we made for kids. And it's just <laughs> a quote that says, um, remember your last end and thou shalt not sin. And it has him pointing right at sin with like sparks coming out. And he's just got this skull in his hand. <laughs> it's a beautiful poster. Awesome. And so we put it, because we're in the middle of the city, we thought it would be good for people to see that, you know, because it, it was right, right at Halloween. That so definitely gets to my balls. <laughs> <laughs> but we had to take it down. So we call it the persecuted poster now. And we're going to put it up on the website. So if people want to buy four by six posters of, of that, they can get it and hang it up in front of their house. Oh, the that's, pastor that's can't great. tell them no. That's great. Yeah. Now that I saw that going, who made that book that cover? That's that's fantastic. <laughs> we did a competition because I had to make two. Everybody told me that was too scary, and they said no one will read it. It's too scary. I'm like the whole world like the, the, they worship the demonic now. I don't know why they're going to think that's scary. It's just yeah. a saint with a skull in his hand, and but we put flames behind him, you know. So we made another one with him kind of like contemplating a cross with people falling into hell behind him and they said that was a bit more soft but they didn't like it so we went with the scary one i still don't think it's scary but you know how people are today what do you do <laughs> it's definitely bold we'll say that yeah it's not not terrifying but it definitely gets what is this about yeah and i'll just mention that book there that uh that the the, the, the sermon of leonard of port maurice um we buy a thousand of those at a time so we get them for about a buck and then we then people just give us a donation so that we can buy more and they just take them around as their apostolate and they give them to people. So right. we just try to make them available so people can give them out as an apostolate. No, it's perfect. Yeah, it's I mean that's already got my idea. I was already gonna go get a couple of those to pass out. You know you got those free books uh in yeah. neighborhoods. Well you slide that thing in there. That's right, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Take we we've had a good number of vocations come because they read that book. Not we're not that we're trying to scare people into the friary, but they read that book and they realize like, you know, it's not all as it's not all as cut and dry as everybody says. You don't just do your best and go straight to heaven. And so when they read that book from that saint talking about, you know, the real risk of going to hell, but then he talks about the beauty of heaven. And so it's the beauty of heaven part that gets people. And so if they can get through the hell part, they get to that heaven part. And it's the heaven part that makes you think, yeah, this is why you give your life to God. Not because you're afraid to go to hell, because you want to go to heaven. So anyways, yeah, what do you got do? The, that was a baseball player that uh, left, left the, uh, was it Oakland Athletics? Because you read that <clears throat> verse from uh, Alphonsus, one of his books, saying that 
those who uh, pray are certainly saved. Those who do not are certainly damned. Yeah. And he's becoming a priest. <laughs> oh, he's becoming a priest. Oh, look yeah, at that. He, well, he joined the seminary, yeah. Oh, fantastic. God bless him. So, yeah, a lot of stuff like that. You got, I mean, and then throughout the world, you got St. Anthony of the Desert heard a sermon. Well, I'm selling everything, and I'm, you know, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that stuff will get you if you listen, if you're open. You're hearing Jimmy or listening to Jimmy. And I'll tell you, we deal with it every day here. We got most of our vocations are like 19, 20, 21 years old. Mm-hmm. And the, the kids today, they see how fickle it all is. There isn't, there's nothing out there that's going to that's gonna bring them the happiness that the world tells them they're going to have. You know, in school, they're told they're going to make a difference and all this other stuff. They all just know it's not true. And so now they're starting to, you know, they get that desire to bind themselves to God. And so, you know, there is religious life out there. However, like our Lord says, it's going to come with persecutions. And today, religious life isn't wanted. We're just not wanted. And so if you want to be a religious, you've just got to do it anyways and just hang on for dear life. And in the end, it's like martyrdom. But you get to go to heaven for it if you live it properly. Hey, you read any of the saints, none of them have lazy boys. I mean, John of the Cross was persecuted. I mean, if you're doing it right, you're going to get hated on. That's right. That's right. Back to pre-55, how many priests have come up to you probably and say, you know, that made sense. I'm never going back to the other way again. Well, I'll be honest. Most people only think about the pre-55 for like the Institute or the fraternity or something like that. But the majority of people that, that contact me through the website... They're parish priests. And I've even had quite a few wondering, like, what do I do now? Because they don't know if they're allowed to do it, not allowed to do it. And I don't, I don't really know what to say either. Uh, but but the, the point is, is that so many of them, it's, it's really, this is the whole point about the pre-55. When Cardinal Ratzinger talks about them severing the root with the liturgy, ask what root, what root was it that got severed? It was Holy Week. When they changed Holy Week in 1955, that's why this is the pre-1955. When they changed it in 1955, um, they severed the root with our tradition. That Holy Week was the, the center of our, uh, um, the ascetical center of our liturgical experience. So if you started peeling back the onion and you wanted to get to the core of our religious, our, our ancient, uh, archaic religious experience, you get the Holy Week. You get them stripping altars. You got Vespers right after. You, you got these things that are happening. You think, well, that's interesting. When did they sit down and write that? That's just it. They didn't sit down and write that. That's the way the liturgy used to be. And because it was Holy Week, it never got touched. That's why the Holy Week was the Holy of Holies. You didn't touch anything at Holy Week. So as, you're, as you see, even with Septuagesima, we just started, no more Alleluias, right? They bury the Alleluia in the Benedictine mon- monasteries and things like that. As we get closer, we get into actual Lent, and then you start you start peeling back more. We get into Holy Week or the the Passion Tide. You pull you peel back more. You know you, you get to the point where there's no more glory bees, anything like this, and then you get to the point where the Triduum, and you're not even chanting the office anymore. You just it's it's all very austere. It's three days of like a funeral service for our Lord, uh, and you're, you're celebrating this day in and day out. It's 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 magnificent. But as you're doing that, you're peeling back that onion. Same thing in the liturgy. You got Thursday, you got the magnificence of Thursday. And then at the very end of that, our Lord's in the sepulcher and you're stripping the altars and everything's solemn, very, very somber. 
And then the next day, same thing. You come in, it's just bare. Everything's bare. Except you still got the crucifix. You still got the stuff on the altar in the pre-55. And then you put everything on. You still have a solemn. Whenever our Lord's being processed around, of course it's solemn. That goes all the way back to the very first Eucharistic processions. Ah, interesting. And then you got the, you know, the, 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 with, with, the, with the cross, with the adoration of the cross. That's the, that's the most modern. It's the most modern thing within our liturgy. And we don't even know where it comes from. Right? Because it's somewhere around the 800s is when we first started doing the veneration of the cross. That's, that's the novelty, the new, that's the new thing in the pre-1955, right? So it, it, it helps us enter into something where we, 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 we gain a great appreciation for our liturgy in general, the Roman liturgy in general, because we start to see how, how absolutely ancient and precious it is, and it's something that we preserved with great jealousy. And now we don't have it. And so you get these priests that receive, normally in modern seminaries, you, you receive a pretty bad formation uh, because all they talk about is why you say this reading on this day and that reading on that day. They don't really go into, they don't consider liturgy a theological uh, branch uh, or a branch of theology anymore. It's more of kind of like a historical review of kind of what you're reading and doing and that's about all you do. Um, so if that's the background you have and you come into it, when you get immersed in something like the pre-55, there's a lot of questions there like, why this, why that? What's going on here? What, this is beautiful. I don't understand any of it. And then you realize, look, there's answers too. You can't, you can't figure out like where it came from because it's so old, we don't, we don't really know. Uh, whenever you have something in the liturgy, like the Kyrie, where does the Kyrie come from? Well, you go and you look at... Um, Fortescue talks about in his book, The Mass, and a few others, they have speculations because they'll go through the different sacramentaries. That's what they call the, uh, a missal, basically, before it was different, but it's essentially like the missal. Those earlier sac sacramentaries, and you'd go into those and you'd just start seeing these differences, and you, you just say, well, over time, it just changed to this. But nobody ever sat down and said, hey, let's change that. You don't know when it changed. No one knows when it changed. It just changed. That means it was guided by the Holy Ghost, right? That's, that, that's what organic development is. Whereas today they'll say a group of liturgists that sit down, even if some of them might be Protestant experts, if they all sit down and do a, a liturgical, you know, they adjust things a little bit, they'll say organic development. But that's not organic development. That was a group that sat down and rewrote some stuff and said, you got to follow this. They had organic we're, coffee we're, on there. <laughs> that's what they were using. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But with organic development, you have no idea. You just know it used to be like this a really long time ago. And then a long time ago, it was this. So somewhere in there, it changed, right? We don't know organic development. And it was guided that way somehow. And so we hold that as precious. Yeah, I remember uh, you brought up the Veneration of the Cross. I'm reading Garanger talks about th that was one of the coolest things I read on, in, about it was that is the people's communion. Oh, look at that! That's I, that's that's uh, yeah. that's wonderful. Yeah, if, but if you look, you can't if you read Garanger during the year and you go to even the sixty-two, it's not the same as what you're reading from the Warrior, the Doctor of Liturgy, as his biographer calls him. So hopefully he'll become Doctor of Liturgy one day. Because that'd he, be he nice, was, huh? You read his books; it will open your mind to what's going on in a way you've never ever thought about.
Yeah, yep, yep. But yeah, I thought that was just incredible. That 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 is the people's communion is the veneration across when you go up there and you kiss the kiss the wood. Like, yeah, who writes that's about beautiful. That? How do you? That I never heard sense. that till I was forty two. <laughs> <laughs> Now yeah, but the do? local priest there, they 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 do the pre fifty five at the seminary. They all love it. I asked really? the what'd you think? He goes, I can't go back. And that was I can't go back. Yeah. And do you know? Think about it. That um that survey that went around, the liturgical survey that we don't get to see, that liturgical survey when it went around, it went around right after COVID, didn't it? When 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 the pre nineteen fifty five exploded, your website alone, what was it, a hundred thousand hits? Oh yeah, I had four parishes streaming Coke pre fifty five, and it was about a hundred thousand for viewers. I mean, people didn't see, didn't know what the sixty two was, and they got experience <laughs> to the pre fifty five because of all that. Yeah, all yeah, over yeah. the world. <laughs> exactly, and that year we 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 got a lot of hits as well, meaning a lot of priests that were contacting us wanting to know how to do it. Um, a lot of them don't have the missiles. This is this is what we're finding. They can't come up with the missiles. So what we haven't been able to do it yet because time being friars, we work and we work very hard, but our work period is only about three hours. I mean, it's hard to get stuff done because we just pray too much to be able to not too much. You know what I mean? But our schedules such that our our main work is praying the breviary and doing our other prayers. Our secondary work is is the work that we do, and we work very you know hard at it. But you can only get so much done in three hours. And an hour of that I have to give a class to the novices and whatever else. But we're we're hoping to get a few more books that we we already have them free basically on the on the pre fifty five website. I don't know if I put up what I did is I made a PDF of all the necessary parts of the of the Roman Missal, a pre fifty five Roman Missal. We haven't published that, and I don't know if I have it on the website, but if any parish priests need that, they just have to email us through pre-1955 Holy Week, and we'll fire them off a copy, a PDF. They have to print it themselves. But eventually, we might try to print that, and just for the cost of printing whatever or donation, just ship it off to people so they can have, um, you know, like the Ordo is what they use. I think the Hebdomando Santa, the Ordo Hebdomando Santa, what they use for the 62. We need to come up with something like that to be able to ship out to these parishes because it's too hard finding, for some parish priests, it's too hard to find the older missile. But anyways, so we still have some resources like that. We still have to try to get out and. What do you say to anyways, those that are with all these, with all these big problems that are going on right now? I just don't see, and the young people, I don't see how they're going to get away from how they're going to do away with the thing. Uh, there's too much. It's the young people who have zero animosity. The young people that come here, I I, I never get one of our visitors or one of our vocations. They don't have any liturgical animosity. You know how sometimes in some of the traditional parishes, you get some of those guys that all they do is talk about negative stuff about like, the, you know, their whole spirituality is I don't go to the Novus Ordo kind of thing, <laughs> which is, that's what gives a bad name to the tr- traditional Catholics. But these kids, they're not like that. They just, they simply say this. I just, I just don't, I don't like to go to that. That's all they say. And you're like, well, that, that makes sense because the new mass was a it was a it was a pastoral liturgy to try to attract you in and help you participate. So if it doesn't do that, it seems like you should be free to not do that, you know. But um, when it comes to the old liturgy, especially the Holy Week, the, the the kids 
That's what happened in, I think, in 2020. They saw that the parishes, some of them didn't light back up again. The Novus Ordo parishes, nobody, they didn't go back. I, I know a couple of parishes where they had, they had Latin Mass and the, uh, they had the Old Mass and the New Mass. The New Mass grew and the Latin Mass, no, or the, 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 the Old Mass grew and the New Mass nobody showed back up for. And I know everyone I've talked to, they've all said the same thing from all parts of the country. So it's not like trying to point fingers or be negative. It's just, that's just a reality that happened. Well, I think that got back to the Vatican too, because after that year, when, when especially the pre-1955 Holy Week just exploded, because they made everybody watch Holy Week from home. I mean, it's their, it's their fault. They made them watch it from home. Everybody wanted to watch the old one. That's when they found out about it. And there was kind of no turning back at that point. And that's when they had to do the survey. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you, you're gonna have to. You basically have to kill everybody, squash the internet, for that for it not to continue. When these guys die, it's just gonna come back even stronger because you cannot kill an idea. You can't kill it. Well, the thing is, it, it's it's the same thing that Gamelium, Gamelio, the the um, Gamilia, Gamil- anyways, you know the in the uh, uh, Saul's great teacher. Yeah. I forget his name right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if it's from if it's from God, there's not there's 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 nothing you can do to stop it. If it's not from God, the old liturgy and the pre-1955 Holy Week, they won't last. If it is from God, you're going to find yourself fighting against God. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> good luck. And that's the thing is, I don't know, you, you talk to these kids, how is it that this kid didn't practice the faith before? He stumbled into a parish on some impulse. They happened to be doing this. And the kid immediately converted. Now wants to give himself to Christ and die a martyr. I mean, what, and, and it's and it's not like it's just like this whim that he gets in his head. No, no, the kid it just changed his whole life. I talk to these kids every day. This and it's it's something that doesn't seem to be wanted in the church right now, which is odd. You know, oh, you want to give your life to Christ? You don't want to own anything? You, you want to sacrifice everything for the Blessed Virgin Mary? What is? What does that mean? What's that mean? So, I mean, these people aren't problems, and they're not going to go away. You can make all the laws you want against them. They keep popping up, and they don't care. Uh, They don't um, need—what's the way to say it? They don't need the approval of the church to give them life to Christ. If Christ is calling them to bind themselves to Christ, their their vocation doesn't come from the church. It comes from Christ. It's a church who's supposed to accept their vocation, Right? So I see these kids popping up, and whether the church accepts them or doesn't accept them, these kids are going to live for Christ, whether they have to go find a cave somewhere or make a cave out of dirt, they're going to go do it. Hey, you probably see uh, your near Archdiocese of Cincinnati, they canceled or got rid of 70 parishes last October. The uh, wow. Diocese of Chicago came out last week, they're getting rid of 123, and both of them are going, hey, this is a good thing. We're going to yeah. become more mission based. Where this is because this is like the new springtime. We're getting new rid springtime. of churches and yeah, it's a cats and dogs living together mass hysteria. <laughs> this is what it means to remove. They, they referred to it that the old uh, he was kind of the head of that Galilean mafia. His name was uh, that Cardinal Martini. Yeah, he was that one from Milan. I think it was Milan. When he was still a subdeacon, he referred to the church, the tradition of the church, as a as a as a scab that had to be removed. 
This is what their scab is. Their scab is vibrant parishes, lots of them, Catholic tradition, remove the scab so that we can be missionary again. What does that mean? Well, the, the, churches, the churches we live next to, uh, I help out on the weekends to do RCIA for, uh, for some of the, the parishes here. The pastor has me come over. There's nobody there. And the people, I'm standing in the back waiting for the release. They release the catechumens in the middle of Mass, you know, like they used to. It's a, one of those things. So then I, I just wait back there until then, and I'm watching. The people aren't, they're not even participating. I, I watch these old ladies like pulling out pictures of their children's vacations. There's one lady drinking a Coca-Cola and, you know, the family there is laughing and joking and trying to keep each other awake. You look at it and you think, 10 years, 10 years, this parish is closed. 10 oh, years. Yeah. yeah. Mary used to be able to go into a group when you have a meeting and say, uh, raise your hand if you knew if somebody fell away from the church. You know, one person, everyone raised their hand. Now do it. How many people know somebody that left the church in the last year and a half? And ain't coming back. And it's 100%. Even me, I know people that, that are doing that right now. Teach at Catholic yeah. schools and aren't coming back. I haven't gone to Mass in a year and a half. Uh, with the uh, going, the target at the Tritium right now, you know, people going after the pre-50, or the, the Vatican's going after the pre-55, basically telling bishops you can't do that. Uh, what have you heard on your end from priests contacting you? Nothing. Actually, I'm completely out of the loop with all that. I, I really don't know what's going on. At least on the website, we haven't been getting much. They'll ask, are we allowed to do this? I just send them the normal quotes from Cardinal uh, for, from Pope Benedict just saying what's always been considered sacred. Um, then you got the 1962 liturgy was always considered and, you know, it was tran it was a transitory thing as a transitional transitional liturgy. It was experimental, and everyone accepted it that way, even John the 23rd. That's why we have a picture of John the 23rd on the website, because they have him after the, pre after the 55 liturgy had gone and been in act already for a few years. He becomes pope and refuses to use the new Holy Week liturgy. He uses the old one, because he obviously considered it experimental, right? And in fact, a couple years later, I think it, it lasted for like 13 years, something like that. Then you get the new liturgy for Vatican II, or I'm sorry, after Vatican II, the 1970 liturgy, and then it, it you know, th those other liturgies don't exist anymore. So when, when you talk about the old liturgy, you've got that. That's mostly the only questions I get. With the, with the problems going on right now, I've really only had one person reach out to me, um, and there isn't much you can say because it's nobody really has an answer. We don't know what to do. We, we don't know how to... Um, I mean, we live, in a, we live in a time period where you can ask questions, but you don't get answers, uh, or you get answers from questions that weren't asked. So it's just it's a difficult time to really know what to say. So really, I think the priests are in a, in a tough spot. They just have to use supernatural prudence, and they just have to realize that, I mean, I don't know. I, I, it's a difficult one to really. All I can think of is maybe more people need to have the problem of praying too much. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I was reading. It really is a shame. If we Leo just DuPont, did, they they said that his biggest flaw we had, he had too much faith. Who was that? Leon Dupont. Yeah, Dupont. His, the, okay. Uh, yeah. The apostle of the uh, holy face. They said yeah. his biggest fault was he had too much faith. 
He's so like, if you can have that, he, a bishop even said that goes, that's not a fault, but he has way too much faith. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, do do? How does, uh, when you said you got the bulk orders, uh, can you have any other photos besides the ones on the website that people can see about the uh, the book? I don't think so. But, I mean, those are pretty – there's several pages in there, and that's pretty much what it does. That's the format that each day is going to um, follow. The pictures are quite nice. Uh, we got high-resolution pictures, and we tried to use uh, imagery that isn't common. Some of these will be have, have been seen before, but they're not common pictures. And we did that intentionally because I don't like to put artwork out that's common. So we normally try to use um, we, we normally try to use artwork that yeah that, that, that hasn't been seen too much. So we'll go and look on art galleries where it's free imagery that we can use and put up and things like that. I go to a blank page. <laughs> I was blinded. <laughs> Um, but no, most of the, most of the formatting is pretty much the same. So I think you'll get a good a good taste of it from from what's on there. Um, very good. Uh, so it yeah, only comes check in check out uh, pre holy pre nineteen fifty five holyweek This will all be in the show notes. And uh, if you're familiar with the channel, if you're watching on the channel, just type in the search bar. Friar Anthony, he's got a long lecture that we we did an interview on the pre fifty five. Uh, his lectures on the website. You got MP3s on the website as well. If you want to listen, just you know, put some headphones in or listen to him. Where's it at on here? It's for the faithful studies on Holy Week. Uh, Dr. Kwanzinski's uh, uh, lecture on there. Restored the 54 website. Uh, many, many sources on the website for the faithful. Uh, Holy Week talk right there at the top. Just click play. Um, so yeah. Uh, Friar, anything you could rattle off at the end to conclude? Yeah, the only, the only, the last thing I would say is this: only from a Friar perspective, I would really encourage the faithful not to let any of the upheaval that's happening right now in the church bother them. You know, let God punish you if He's punishing us, and it looks like He is, because sometimes He says He, a good father, chastises a beloved son. So it doesn't mean it just means that. Somebody's got to take the brunt like Christ took the brunt for us. So if, if we would do that right now, just be at peace. Even if they strip the sacraments from us, be at peace. Because if it is from God, it's going to come back. But, you know, the one thing we can learn here in America, there's that apparition site up there in Wisconsin, Our Lady of Good Help. When the whole world was on fire, I encourage people to look at it. When the whole world was on fire, at least their world, because it's the largest you know, fire in, uh, in the history of the United States, they all went to that little chapel where the apparition happened. And though, though they were surrounded by flames and surely going to die, they just kept praying, kept praying. They were outside like they would turn this way and then turn that wherever the flames and the smoke weren't. They would just keep going until it all just stopped. And it stopped right at the fence. One side of the fence was burnt and the other side of the fence was not burnt. This is what we have to do. But what, what traditional Catholics tend to do right now is say, but what can I do? Well, have you tried praying? Have you really tried getting a group of people together and like, you know, praying a lot and doing litanies and saying extra rosaries, but devoutly trusting that our Lord's going to do this and being willing, especially being willing to face punishment if God wants us to face the punishment? 
because he wants somebody to face it. Somebody's got to make reparation. So if we would do that, I think we'll get through this. And I think we'll get through it fairly quickly because if it's from God, there's no stopping it. So I would just encourage people just to have faith, be at peace, and not let all this stuff disturb them. It just makes, it's going to make the process even longer. A big amen to that. Yeah. Friar, I appreciate well, God, you always. Do what? God bless you. Thank you for having us, Steve. I appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome. Uh, get the book. It'll be in the show notes, uh, available for uh, uh, bulk sales as well. So if you need to contact him, contact information is underneath. Friar, I appreciate it. Thanks again. All right. God bless you. Hi, Remedia.